everybody and welcome to another property live here with us at Opus Partners. My name is Edward Knight if you don't know me yet and this is my lovely co-host Andrew Nichol. Now I always like to do an audio check. I know producer David had already asked you what tune we were playing during the intro. Well, actually I've got a question. Rather What's than, the question? Rather than the colour of the shirt, your usual trait. I want to know what was the theme song of the, sorry, what was the TV show that that song was the theme song to? I can't remember it. It was okay, 20 years ago. Well, somebody Anyone said it was Hey it? Boys. No, it was wasn't it Hey no, Boys. Wasn't He's saying Hey Boys, <laughs> oh, you idiot. There's a prize for the person that tells me what it was. Yeah, what's the prize? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'll see whether or not anyone gets it first. Well, we'll have to see what it is. I want to know what the story is first. Now, we're going to wrap straight into it because we've got a jam-packed webinar for you guys tonight and we're very excited. And it is going to be all about what's going to happen in 2023. Now, Andrew, just before we get into some of those predictions, I know we've got something very exciting to tell everybody about. Oh, we are so excited about the book that we've been going on about for three years now. It's quite takes quite a long time to write a book, just in case anyone was wondering. Anyway, it's arrived today in Auckland, and we're almost ready to ship these. So we're very, very excited. You can expect these. We're going to hit their mailboxes. Oh, we're expecting at the latest it will start shipping next Tuesday, Tuesday the 15th and after that should be two perhaps three days after that. Yeah. So it is starting to ship and of course we've got that first book tour or uh, book launch that we're doing in Christchurch that same day, Tuesday the 15th. So if you're coming along to that you will get your book that day. Exactly. Oh, so here's what you're going to get tonight. So tonight you're going to get the webinar, the recording, which will come out tomorrow, all the data for free, Q&As at the end. So stick around for those because there's some really uh, interesting questions that people always ask for us about what's concerning them in the market or what they're interested in hearing. You get the spreadsheets for free. You don't get the slides. Now, for anyone, when you're, making, when you're writing a message, if you can put all of your messages in the chat to everyone rather than just the panellists, and that way not just Ed and I will see it, but everyone there because it's really important. Ed, thank you. That was the show. Who said that? It was Ed. Who would have thought that um, I forgot Did you that? do that on purpose? Yeah, I did do it on purpose. Thank you, Mark. Uh, email me and I'll send you something. Um, uh, but yeah, send it to everyone and uh, uh, make sure that everyone can join in on that. But if you've got a question, put that in the questions section so that we can try and cover them all at the end because otherwise questions get lost in the comments. Now, why should you listen to these two guys? Well, we've got the number one business podcast with 4.8 million downloads. We're going to have 5 million downloads this year. We're pretty excited about that. Very soon there's going to be more than one download per New Zealander and we're very excited about that. We also have Informed Investor Magazine and we have the New Zealand Property Investor Magazine, two magazines we're very proud to produce here at Opus Partners. Ed here uh, by my side is the economist here at Opus Partners. He's the host of the Property Academy podcast and an investor himself. And I am the financial advisor and managing director of Opus Partners, host of the Property Academy podcast and a property investor as well. So here's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about some house price predictions. What are they going to do next year? We're going to talk about the interest rate predictions. And then we're going to talk about the opportunities for you as property investors. 
That's right. So let's start with those house price predictions because when we were preparing for this, what do you guys really want to know about in 2023? Probably what's going to happen to house prices and what's going to happen to interest rates. And a really useful place to start is, well, what has happened to house prices over the last 12 months? And what we can see is that house prices have changed dramatically. So up here we've got the peak and you can see that just as we were heading into COVID in March 2020, April 2020, we were about 30% below what would eventually become the peak. So that happened, that peak happened in November 2021. Now, if we started about 30% below the peak, where are we today as of September 2022? That is the latest data from the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand. We're currently 12.5% down from that peak. Now, while I do see some headlines in the media talking about the house price declines that we have seen, make it sound quite scary. It's important to know that according to Core Logic, the average New Zealand house price is still up $237,000 from what it was in April 2020. And so really, there are two starting points that I want to talk about. First of all, prices, house prices went up an astronomical amount. Again, we started out 30% below the peak. And while prices have come back, about 60% of those gains that we made, they're still there. Yep, just over 40% of them have been erased by this most recent decline of about 12.5%, but about three-fifths of those gains, they are still there. And I know, Andrew, one of the things you want to talk about is this. I think the most important thing to remember is that not every area has been impacted equally. And in fact, we've just, I love that you'll try to click your mouse, oh, but I've, sorry. Got, I've got, got the talky mouse. mouse over Were here. Were you clicking it before when I was clicking my mouse? I was making it work for you because oh, I'm a you. nice person. <laughs> and what we wanted to show you guys is this particular map here that we've just recently created uh, as of a couple of days ago. Andrew, talk to us about what we're seeing I'll here. I'll show you how this works. Now, this is available on our website already or not? No, nah, it's not, but we'll send it out to everybody. And will it come out in private property this week? No. Oh, okay, all right. Now, you can hover over the different areas and you can look at some of these treacherous areas like Upper Hutt, down 21.41% from its peak in October 2021. I'm going to talk about this because okay. this is cool. So one of the big things when you look at house price changes when they're reported in the media is they often talk about it from a single point. So all of the country peaked in November last year, 2021. So that's the country as a whole. But each different region will peak within its own property market at different times. So you can see here, show us South Wairarapa, that peaked in, do you know where South Wairarapa uh, is? Uh, it's, right there. It's, right there. it's right there. So that peaked in May 2022. And since then, it's fallen, house prices there, by about 11%. Compare that to Upper Hutt, Andrew, which is right next to it. Yeah, yeah 21, 21. Yeah, but that peaked in October 2021, which was about six months earlier. Now, what's interesting there, and I just want to show me the far north district, right at the top of the North Why don't Island. We talk about. No, I want to talk about the far oh, north what, district. What, can you just give me a week? No, I want all to talk right, about right. the far north district. 
So if I compare that to the far north, where uh, prices also peaked in May 2022, and house prices there are down only 1%. Okay, go on. Tell me what you wanted to say about Queenstown. I wanted Queenstown. to go to Queenstown. Why don't you look at Queenstown? Look at that. Yeah, what are we seeing? Oh, just a small decrease. A decrease of 1.4%. House prices there peaking in July 2022. Now, if you want to learn more about Queenstown, we've actually got a podcast and YouTube video coming out about Queenstown. That's going to come out on Monday morning, which is really exciting. But my key point here is that you do have some districts, like if we look at Wellington City, House prices peaked in October, down 19%. If you compare that to somewhere like Christchurch, prices are down only about a fifth as much, and they peaked in March 2022. And over the last couple of months, we've only seen a small 4% decrease. And I think this is really important when we, when you're reading the media headlines talking about house prices down 12.5% across all of New Zealand, but bear in mind that your specific area may not have uh, been affected by that same amount, 12.5%. Uh, in some instances, and if we look at somewhere like um, the Waikato district, you're down 10%, which is smaller than that average as well. But let me find a region which is more like Wanganui District, which is down 14.55%. So I think this is always something that is missed by the media. And what I'll do is we will include that within the the. Uh, emails that you get tomorrow, I'll make sure you get a copy of this. And if you want me to hover over your specific district in question time, happy to do that. You can see that in some instances, places like Timaru or Waimate, they uh, actually haven't declined at all. In fact, places like Huranui have still increased uh, since November last year. Uh, we haven't seen a decline at all uh, over the last six months. So I just think that's something really important to note as we move through. Cool graph. Thank you. It's a map, though. Oh, wow. Well, so <laughs> oh, I love to berate him. Right. So my next key takeaway is, yep, prices have gone up. Uh, they have come back, and about 60% of that gain remains. Some areas are better protected than others. But let's get into some of those house price predictions, which you really want to know now that we've got that base down. So let's talk about are we nearing the bottom of the market? Now, what's important to note is that the bottom of the market is not hard to predict. It is impossible to predict perfectly. And I think that's really important to note that even when you see forecasts from the likes of the Reserve Bank, from the likes of the Treasury, they're never going to be perfect. Now, some of you may have seen a headline like this, the Reserve Bank talking about a 20% house price fall. What does that mean? It's really important to note that whether the Reserve Bank said 15% or 16% or 20%, it's never going to be that exact amount. What they produce are what's called technical projections. We do it as well. You're going to see our predictions tonight or our technical projections tonight, but it's never going to be exactly 20%. In fact, the Reserve Bank Governor, Adrian Orr, and you can see the handsome fellow uh, right there, they produce and release new house price predictions every three months. February, May, August and November, we are about to receive our new ones from them. Because every single time they release their monetary policy statement, which is their big 60 to 70 odd page document in a big old spreadsheet, and you can see uh, some examples of those spreadsheets here that get released just by way of showing you what that data kind of looks like. 
Is that your weekend this weekend, buddy? No, because I don't think it gets released until next week. Oh, Usually oh. it's about mid. I'd have to double check that. I think it might be the 17th, but you're going to have to, uh, somebody will correct me on that. But my point here is that when you look at house price projections, before I tell you what, the, what ours are, you do need to know that they change a lot. They change frequently. And we're going to do a little poll now. I want to hear what you guys think. So I'm going to put a poll across your screen. And what I want to ask you is when do you think the bottom, we'll hit the bottom of the market across New Zealand? Your specific region may be different, but I'm going to put it across your screen now. Do you think it's we are already at the bottom? Do you think it's less than three months away? Do you think we're three to six months away? Seven to 12 or over a year away? That's coming across your screens now. And I'm very interested to see what you guys think. And then we're going to give you our house price predictions as well. I can see that we've already had almost 300 of you answer it. Uh, once we get to about four to 500 of you answering that, uh, we'll, we'll put it across everybody's screen, see what you guys think as well. And I'm going to close off that poll in five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to end that poll and share those results with you. So Andrew, what are we seeing? So 3% uh, uh, of you think that we're already at the bottom. 11% think in, in the next three months. 43% uh, the, the majority say three to six months and 34% say uh, seven to 12 months and then 9% say over a year away. Okay, that's really interesting. I'll stop sharing that now. It's interesting that so many people think three to six months because that's broadly in line with what we think as well. So one of the things I did want to say is, of course, that the Reserve Bank does change their uh, forecasts frequently. And in fact, I'm going to move across now to an interactive version of this, uh, of this graph. So initially, the Reserve Bank put out probably just over... Uh, I think this was April, their projection for house prices. And you could say, see, they thought at that time that the housing market would bottom out in March 2024. So that's over 12 months away, right? We're talking about 15 odd months away. Then in August, they released this new house price projection. And what did they do? They thought, oh, that the bottom of the market is going to be deeper. We're going to see a uh, deeper house price declines. And on top of that, we're going to see the bottoming out of the market six months earlier. They've now got that projected for September 2023, just under 12 months away. Now, our house price predictions are different from that, and I'll show you what those are in a minute. But my key point here is that whoever's house price predictions you look at, just bear in mind that they will change. And the reason I'm telling you this is you don't want to just dogmatically follow anybody's house price predictions saying, oh, I'm definitely going to buy a, in September 2023 because that's when the Reserve Bank says that the bottom of the market's going to be and that's what it's going to be. No, you can't predict it perfectly. You can try and get as close as possible and get within Kui, but you'll never do it perfectly and that's what I just want you to be aware of. So that's why if I come back to my good old slides and I play through those, one of the things that I just wanted to mention, my key takeaway number four is, yep, prices went up heaps. They have come back. About 60% of those gains remain. Some areas are better protected, but it is impossible to perfectly, perfectly predict the market. But having said that, you might say, are there signs that the bottom of the market is nearer? 
And the answer is yes. So here are the current declines in house prices from about December last year. So these are all of New Zealand house price changes from March 21 through to September 2022. And what we can see is all of those blue bars, that's when house prices are increasing. Those red bars, that's where house prices are falling. And what do we see? Well, in March, April, and May, we saw quite steep house price declines. It was 2% in uh, March, 2% in April, 1.6% in May. We got another 2% the following month, and then we got 1.3, 1.2, and then slowing back to 0.7. So my key point here is that over the last three months, we have seen the declines in house prices slow down. Bear in mind, they're still falling, but at a slower and slower rate. And I've always said, if you're looking for a sign that we are nearing the bottom of the market, this is where I'm starting to see it. Because we're seeing consecutive months where we're seeing house price falls slow down even Further. Now, this isn't the only thing we're currently seeing which is suggesting that the bottom of the market uh, may be near, or certainly that we're in the end game of falling house prices, which Andrew's going to talk about one other thing, but this is something to pay attention to. So although it is impossible to perfectly predict the market, the rate of house price falls is slowing. And there's one contributing factor that I know you want to talk about as well, Andrew. So let's talk about first-home buyers. So uh, I'm sure you can see, all see that graph there. Uh, there have been a couple of comments that they couldn't see the screen before. Uh, I wonder if that's if you're on your phone. Nick, I asked you whether or not you're on the phone, but if people are on their phone, it might be a good idea to go onto um, a, a computer. But anyway, for those of you that can see this graph, this shows uh, how many first-home buyers are in the market as reported by real estate agents. So from Tony Alexander's Ryan's Real Estate Survey. Now, what you'll see is that when you've got uh, uh, the blue lines, the lines which are above uh, uh, above 0%, that means that the net uh, number of agents are saying that there are lots of first-time buyers in the market. If you see it below, uh, as we've seen over the past eight months, that's when you see less agents seeing first-time buyers there. Now, over the last eight months, you're seeing an 80% shift in the number of agents that are reporting first-time buyers being active in the market. So back in February 2022, look at it this way. You had eight out of 10 real estate agents saying that they're seeing fewer first-time buyers. Uh, and about one in 10 people agents saying that they're seeing more first-time buyers. Now that we've moved to November 2022, you're seeing far more or four times the number of agents saying that they're seeing more first-time buyers. And this is a part of the market which is now coming back, spotting a deal, being active in the market, despite the fact that it's a hard lending environment. Now, let's talk about what our forecasts are now and into the future. So this, of course, comes with a disclaimer. We don't have a crystal ball, but our prediction is that we're going to see a market drop of 1.6% more. So you're going to... What, two, three percent. 1.6 to 3%. To 3%. So 1.6 to 3% is where we're seeing that um, to the bottom of the market. And we're predicting the bottoming out of the market in March 2023. Now, Ed, you're the economist. 
So how do we know if your forecast is going to be correct? Well, easy answer to that, Andrew. They won't be. There's approximately 5% chance that we're, our predictions are going to perfectly be played out. Now, remember, everybody's forecasts end up being incorrect. And I'd rather tell you that now rather than three months when I say they weren't exactly correct. But what's really important for you to take notice of there is that when I say, hey, look, we're seeing a bottoming out earlier than the Reserve Bank currently have, uh, and I can talk about all the reasons why perhaps in, in question time rather than bore you, uh, bore you all with economisty stuff. But the important thing is not necessarily whether the drop is 1.6 to 3%. The important thing is what's the direction of travel. So we're seeing, yep, that house price uh, falls. We're still going to see some but a smaller amount than perhaps some others are predicting, and we're seeing it bottoming out earlier. Uh, that's not just based on the official data and data we have from people like Tony uh, and the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, but also what we're seeing within our own organisation, working with investors and dealing in property transactions ourselves. Now, one thing that I do just want to mention is that it can be quite confusing for people to try and figure out where is the bottom of the market? And I'll show you the reason why. In April, you're likely to start seeing uh, headlines, something like this, housing market recovery on its way according to Ryan Starter. And then a couple of days later, a couple of weeks later, you might see a headline like this, house prices fall by another 1% in April, CoreLogic Economist says. And the reason is that there are about three organisations in New Zealand, Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, CoreLogic and QV, which report housing market data. And they all calculate it slightly differently. So the Rhines data, Real Estate Institute, and that queen of a woman, by the way, is Jen Baird, the CEO, who's just wonderful, She's by the way. She's your favourite, isn't she? Yes. Uh, hope she might be on the call tonight. She, might be, she makes me jealous. I love you, Jen. Anyway, <laughs> they, their data will show the recovery much sooner than CoreLogic because Ryan's data is released on a monthly basis. Now, CoreLogic also releases new data every month, but they average it out over the last quarter. Now, let me just give you some context to show you what that really means. So the Ryan's data, Real Estate Institute, showed the New Zealand property market peaking in November 2021. The core logic data did not show the New Zealand property market peaking until about April, if I remember correctly. So there's about a five-month window where you can have two different data organisations really good. Like, don't get me wrong, the data's good, but they're just showing the peak of the market uh, about five to six months difference. Now, we're going to see that on the other end in the trough as well. And so my point here is you might see headlines from one organisation saying, hey, we're into recovery mode, whereas you might see another organisation like a CoreLogic or a QV saying, no, 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 our data is still showing house prices falling. And that's just because the Rhine's data is a little bit more volatile because it's calculated slightly differently. And that's the point. You will see uh, conflicting headlines based on different data being released, and it's just important to note. Now, that was all quite nerdy stuff, Andrew, so I know you wanted to mention this as well. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just replying to a question. Um, we're coming on tour. So starting next week in Christchurch, we will be on our book tour, a book tour. Tour stops, uh, Wellington, Christchurch, 
Queenstown, Havelock, North and Auckland. Uh, Christchurch is next week and Queenstown is next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then we've got Wellington, Havelock, North and Auckland. There are no tickets available in Auckland anymore. Christchurch has got eight available. Queenstown 35, 13 in Wellington and 25 in Havelock North. So if you haven't booked your book yet, you can come along to the tour while we're on that. You're going to hear the stories that you don't get in the book. So the stuff that our publishers wouldn't let us put in the book, we're going to be uh, uh, talking for about an hour and then answering questions. There's going to be the book, there's going to be a book signing. Ed and I are both going to be sharing some secrets behind the scenes. Uh, with you and it's going to be food and drinks and, and time to chat with us so there's a link in the chat coming through now yep i'll put that in there for the book tour and somebody said um i've just bought some more tickets so oh, uh, we'll see be, how it it's is it's going to be an absolute hoot of a night oh hundred if you haven't planned your date night for your partner this would be a wonderful gift yeah, so eight out of 200 tickets available uh, next Tuesday in Christchurch. So I know they're going to sell out. If you want to come along, that's available there for you. Uh, in Wellington, I think, what are we up to now? There's still 11 tickets there if you want to come along. And we'll put that in the chat again, probably in question time. Uh, now let's get on to our interest rate predictions. Uh, now one thing that's interesting is you will have seen that interest rates have spiked Hugely, they have basically almost tripled from the low point of about 2.2% going up to roughly 6% where they sit at the moment in terms of the one-year uh, fixed mortgage interest rate. And it's useful to ask or start by asking why is it that interest rates are rising? What's driving this? And it's all being driven from inflation and the rising cost of living primarily. And what I mean by that is when interest rates go down, as we saw when we went into the COVID lockdowns, we saw rates fall from about 4% to 2.2%. People borrow more because money is cheap. So we go and we borrow against our houses and what do we do? We've gone off and we've done some renovations to our house or we've bought a lovely new spa pool because we're spending more time at home now. Now, because we're out there buying stuff, businesses have less of it. So if a factory owner has 30 odd spa pools in their warehouse and we go buy 20 of them, he's obviously got less. If we've had a massive increase in demand because money's cheap, so we go out and borrow it. And what that causes is when businesses have less stuff and have uh, a lack of ability to get more of it, for instance, if the shipping lines are disrupted as they were during COVID or if you are short-staffed, uh, as we are currently are for many businesses in New Zealand, then what do businesses do? They increase prices and they cause inflation. Now, this is going to be the hot word that you've all been hearing about in the media. Andrew, give us some detail about why the Reserve Bank is increasing interest rates. So the Reserve Bank has to keep inflation at, a, at a, their target of between 1% and 3%. And actually, if you look at their historic uh, uh, actual numbers, the 10-year average is 1.93. And if you look at the where how that actually flows through, they, did a they do a pretty good job, don't they? They have historically. Historically. At the moment, it's out of control. We're way outside the band. So absolutely something needs to change to get this back into the target of between 1% and 3%. And inflation is really caused by two things. 
supply and demand. And a lot of things will impact this. Yes, it will. Interest rates will. What's happening in the economy, whether employment's high or whether it's low. But what's happened right now is that supply is really the thing that's been constraining the economy. We've moved from where a lot of businesses are saying that their number one issue was finding new customers, and it's gone to where one of their number one issues is finding staff and being able to fulfill the demand they have. And that is caused primarily by a lack of staff. It's also caused by a lack of raw materials and in some instances not being able to get things out of other places. For instance, China, if all of Shanghai shuts down because they've got another COVID lockdown. Now, what the Reserve Bank is trying to do is decrease demand. They are trying to contain demand by increasing interest rates. So what do I mean by that? Well, if interest rates increase, we have the opposite effect. Money is now more expensive. If it costs more money because the interest rate has gone up to buy that sparkle, then people are going to borrow less against their houses in order to go and purchase whatever they want to buy. That is going to be that businesses have more stuff. They're less constrained by people buying everything in the shops, in which case they are less likely to raise prices. There's one other thing that often happens, which is that if interest rates go up, then you and I have less disposable income because we're putting more money towards our mortgages. That means that we've got less income available to go and spend that at different shops or whatever else we want to buy. I don't have a sparkle, but perhaps I should have purchased one when money was very cheap. Uh, because, no, I don't need that. Why, why? You just come over and get in mine. I've never once got in your spa pool, much to both your and my disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> and because of that, that's the other reason that the Reserve Bank is trying to increase interest rates. In some, in some ways, they want us to feel some of that squeeze. They want us to feel the cost of living crisis because that is going to be that we contain our demand and bring it back into the, the economy's productive capacity to supply so that we don't see uh, prices prices rise as much. Now you might wonder, Ed, why did you just go on a big spiel about this? Because to answer your question about interest rates and how long interest rates are going to be high, here's what you need to know. As long as we have high inflation, we will have high interest rates. Once we see lower inflation, we will start to see lower interest rates. Now, that does not mean low interest rates, and that does not mean a return to 2.2% uh, for your one-year mortgage interest rate, nor 2.99% for the five-year mortgage interest rate. But it does mean lower than what we've currently got. And I'll tell you the exact numbers I work on very shortly. But the real question then is, when will inflation come down? And I'll tell you something. Quite depressing. We thought we had inflation under control. Us economists were all pretty much in agreement about what was going to happen. Inflation was going to come down. And in fact, here's what Jared Kerr, the chief economist at Kiwi Bank, said back in August 2022. He said mortgage rates are likely to peak at or slightly above the current levels. That was when the mortgage interest rate first one year was about 5.5%, 5.4%. And he said they're likely to hold around current levels into next year. And of course, since then, in the last two to three months, what have we seen? We've seen them go up by another half a percent to hit 6% or slightly above. Are you upset that you're not the best looking economist in the, uh, in the country now? 
Mate, I, I am just pleased as punch to think that you ever thought I was the best-looking economist when you've got that great hunk of spunk Tony Alexander. <laughs> you can quote me on that. You can tell him. And he also said that they believed that inflation had peaked at 7.3% in June earlier this year. He says we expect to see inflation easing from there. He was wrong as was pretty much every other major economist in the country. Because while we thought there was going to be a significant easing of inflation, that's not what we saw. We got, saw it go from 7.3 to 7.2. And I want to show you this graph, and I'm going to show you the interactive version of it, because this is fascinating. So here we have actual inflation, actual price rises. You can see it went up to 7.3. And then over here, we've got the what we call the consensus forecast. So what happens here is the New Zealand Institute of Economic Research, they go out and they talk to ANZ, ASB, Kiwi Bank, BNZ, Westpac, yep, the five major banks. They also talk to the Reserve Bank, the Treasury, and themselves at the uh, New Zealand Institute of Economic Research. And they ask them, where do you think inflation is going to go? And then they create this, the average forecast here. Now, what I want to show you is that if you average out what all of the different banks and financial institutions thought inflation was going to hit, they thought it was going to hit 6.57% in September this year. It actually hit 7.2%. And this blue shaded area behind that white line, that is showing uh, the, the more aggressive uh, financial institution, the most aggressive forecast, and also the most conservative forecast. And what this shows is that inflation came in higher than even the most conservative organisation thought. And inflation came in 0.7% above forecast. That is the reason why we have seen interest rates increase again very quickly over the last couple of weeks. It's because we expected inflation to be more tamed than it turned out to be. And that's the link between the two that I just want to make very clear. Now with that, it is quite useful to still note that the forecasts among all of the major economists and across all the major banks is that inflation will still come down and that we will move into that target band that the Reserve Bank is looking for, but it will take slightly more time than we initially thought. Now, that background is very useful to have as we get into what our predictions are here at Opus Partners, which Andrew's now going to take us through. Which I think is really important if you're investing or buying for yourself just to kind of uh, figure out what your contributions are going to look like because look they are high and they're going to be high for a wee while. So our forecast is that you're going to see interest rates go up further and then you're going to see them start to come back down as inflation comes under control. So these are the these are the rates that we would use on a return on investment calculator now. If you're using the Opus Partners ROI calculator put that put this in here Ed, when we send out uh, the email tomorrow, let's put the return on investment calculator with these on default uh, for, for them. Is it okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you can go in and change it under your assumptions tab. So remember, in your property setup tab, which is this year, your interest rate is 6%. Next year, we're, we are predicting a 6.5% interest rate. By 2024, we're predicting it to come back down to 5%. And then from 2025 onwards, we're working on a long-term average of 4.5%.
So you do need to be aware that there is going to be a spike in your contributions for your investment properties and you've got to manage those contributions. And we've put out a whole lot of content on that. Again, if we remember, we'll put that in the webinar, to, uh, webinar email tomorrow, but you can find that on our website, uh, how to manage your contributions towards an investment property, because when I'm talking to investors all day, every day at the moment who are worried about this, the one thing I remind them is that this is just a short-term thing for a long-term asset where you're going to see significant capital growth over the long term, but you have to weather the storm. Now we're going to get into the opportunities for property investors. So it's quite interesting that we've talked about two things that are seemingly quite scary, right? Lower house prices is factor number one and falling house prices and then higher interest rates. And what I want to do is Andrew and I have been doing some really interesting modelling over the last couple of weeks, looking at what's the impact on property investors' cash flow today compared to what it would have been had you invested, say, 12 months ago at the peak of the market in November 2021. And Andrew's going to take us through this, but what he's going to do is use the OPAS Partners uh, Return on Investment Calculator. Now, this is our special spreadsheet where you can put in your own numbers and download this for free at opuspartners.co.nz slash ROI. And you could run the numbers to look at what your investment properties would do. Now, just before Andrew goes through this, I've got another poll for you. I want to know, what do you think about buying an investment property in today's market? Are you actively looking? You're really keen? Are you thinking, well, maybe I'd invest if there was the right deal? And then are you thinking, hell no, I'm not going to invest terrible time? I'm going to put that across your screen now, and I'm really interested to see what you guys think. Uh, we've got quite a few people online, so maybe once 400 of you have answered the question, uh, we'll close it off, share the screen, and see what everybody thinks. Really interesting. It's, it's really interesting to see how these change. Uh, this is this is like election night. You and I are going to have to have an election night uh, party this year. Did we do it last year? Next election? year. Next year, sorry. Did we do it last year? Were we together no. last year? No, we weren't in our oh. committed relationship. <laughs> hey, hey, you're just trying to get into de facto relationship now. I know what you're up to. We are in a de facto <laughs> relationship. Right, I'm going to end that in five, four, three, two, one. Produ poor producer Dave has to sit through all of this every every month. So does everybody at home. <laughs> so, Andrew, what are we seeing here? Okay, so quite interesting that the hell knows got right in there. They were ready with their mouse, and that spiked, uh, but then it dropped back to 17%. 25% uh, are actively looking now, and a whopping 58% are saying, yeah, for the right deal, I'm looking. That's interesting, because I know that one of the things from Tony Alexander's uh, recent Ryan's real estate agent surveys is that actually showed that investors now, of those who are in the market, a significant proportion of them are looking, are active in the market in the hope of finding a bargain. Now, with that, Andrew, I just want you to show us a property of what, of a property that you'd recommend to an investor with what's the price today compared to what would the price be previously? Yeah, sure. And then how do the higher interest rates impact cash flow? So this is today's one, and can you just make sure that we've got our current assumptions in there? Do you want me to go through any of the setup, or we're just going to skip straight to this? No, go through the setup so everybody sure. knows what the property is. Why don't is. we include this? Just zoom in too. Okay. Zoom in, I'm going to steal your mouse. 
Very controlling. Yeah, I know. Just like my father was. <laughs> um, before he left you. Um, so uh, this is a property. Um, uh, this is a property. Um, it's not. It's not Auckland. No, no it's, it's not Christchurch. Yeah, I change it to Christchurch. Um, we'll actually make this correct when we send this out tomorrow so that you've got this as the return on investment calculator with the assumptions that we've used. So this is a um, two-bedroom townhouse in Christchurch that last year we would have said that it was probably... That's this year's numbers, buddy. Yeah, I know. I told you that this was this oh, year's okay. numbers. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Right, $559,000 purchase price, and we're going to say that's the valuation. Setup cost $4,000. 6% interest rate, remember, for the today, 480 a week rent, and then we've put in the normal costs. So some of these are probably on the higher side, but we'll just keep them there. It's outside of Auckland, so it gets a 5% growth um, and 45,000 of channels, and it is under construction for 12 months. Now, go up to the top, and we said that the uh, purchase price today was 559. Now, what would this property have been worth? It's a two-bedroom townhouse in Christchurch. What would have an investor paid 12 months ago, November 2021? Probably early sixes. Yeah. I think it was about 650 were the comparables oh, that we looked at. And show us the, uh, the interest rates that we've assumed now, here. Under assumptions, so what we've got here Put is... Put that up to 6.5. Oh, Eddie. Change it to 6.5. 5% and then coming down to 4.5%. And you can change these all in here as well. Now, if we go into the uh, projection for the property, what you're going to see here is that there's a negatively geared amount. There's a top-up that you're going to have to make. And then there's some positive years. And, and we can look at what the, the two of these offset each other. The biggest thing you're going to notice is not this year, because you're only borrowing the deposit, but next year and year three, they're not that great. They're terrible. They're terrible. So, and then after that, it just comes down to kind of more, more kind of $100, $150 a week, more of a normal top-up. But these are the expensive ones. That's what we're wanting to have a look at here. Now, we've got ways to help manage the cash flow for someone like this with an investor where you've got a big top-up, but that's not the main point of what we're going to show you right now. The main thing that I want to show you, how do I, how do I scroll? How do I, how Remember do I the first time I used a mouse as well? How do I get, get to the thing? Well, what I want to show you is that overall, those uh, over the period where it's negatively geared, the investor would have to put in about 70 grand worth of cash to top it up over the nine to 10 years, which is an average of $120 a week. Now, Remember those numbers, about 70 grand and $120 a week, because I want to compare that to the same property, same property, but with that higher purchase price and uh, and with lower interest rates. It's quite hard to do this without a trackpad, isn't it? Oh, how, do I, how do you go left? How do uh, I go left? What do you mean? How do I show them what the thing is? Okay. Oh, it didn't work, did it? No, hang on. You've stitched me up just to embarrass me on the webinar. I have. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> my point is, my point to me... Ed McKnight, the spreadsheet king, dethroned. It's because I've usually got a trackpad. So it's 650k. Drag it across. And I want to show you 
um, the interest rate prediction. So here, if you were using four, four and a half percent, and then five percent, and starting it off with a, what were we using? I think we we're using a three and a half percent interest rate. So if you invested at a time where interest rates were almost, oh, you know, just over half what they were today, what would the cash flow look like? with lower interest rates, but a higher purchase price. Let me scroll over and I will show you what it looks like. Focus yeah. on this one here. Okay. So what do we see here, Andrew? So the interesting thing here is there isn't that spike in year two or year three, but you are seeing this property being negatively geared for the entire 15 years. And these were our rate predictions at the time. <laughs> Again, we got it wrong, but we made a, we made a, 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 a prediction as everyone did and, and, and used a lot of uh, credible basis for that. So this property actually requires more of a top up. It's just stre stretched out over a longer period of time. So let's go to the results summary page. Yeah, and I'll zoom that in a little more. So this actually, and, and it's the same, the same uh, growth rate that we're using, the cash flow investment, the cash flow, not the equity investment, because that's coming from usually people's houses, $125,000 over the 15 years. And the average is $147 for 14 years. And so essentially we're talking about saying extra $27 a week to own that property, which is about an extra 55 grand over the 14 to 15 year period. Now, the point of showing you this is simply to say this, in every market, there is something working for you and there is something working against you. Now, in this case, if we're looking 12 months ago, the, the outlook that most people who are involved in property investment and interest rates were saying was that interest rates were going to be somewhat lower for longer, would go up a wee bit and then would come back and you know it, it was about three and a half to five percent. Then inflation got way larger, way higher than a lot of people were expecting. Interest rates have come up significantly. Now the impact of that is we've seen house prices decline. So while you were dealing 12 months ago with high house prices and lower interest rates, now you've got the opposite scenario where you're saying there are lower house prices compared to what they were 12 months ago, but higher interest rates. Now the key point here is that many investors are not engaging with the property market because they are scared of the higher interest rates, forgetting that you've got the other good thing there, which is the lower house prices than would otherwise be the case. Now, as interest rates eventually start to drop, as inflation is tamed, that's where you will see the property market recover. In fact, in the most recent Reserve Bank uh, forecasts, they're predicting an 11% increase in house prices once they eventually hit the bottom. So there certainly will be capacity there for house prices to recover, but by the time interest rates drop away, you start to say, well, that's great, they come down, maybe a good time to invest. Yeah, house prices are going to be higher compared to what they are right now. Now, bear in mind, just before we wrap up, there are two very important opportunities for property investors right now. And Andrew, you're going to tell us about what those are. Oh, I was busy typing. Can you cover that while I just... Okay, I'll sorry. cover it while you're <laughs> busy typing. Caught me off guard because I was typing a reply to Jenna. 
Um, there are two uh, really important opportunities right now. One is to start investing in new builds, which have special tax incentives uh, to do so. Bear in mind that uh, as interest deductibility gets a further uh, phase in once we hit the new uh, tax year, uh, the new financial year, we expect to see a lot of investors really understand the impact of that on their portfolio, and it is significant. The other opportunity is to renovate your properties to improve their cash flow, and that's where you're going to want to increase the rent to compensate for that additional tax that you are going to eventually pay. So I certainly don't think that property investment is dead, and, and certainly there are a lot of opportunities out there, and we are probably going to talk about those more at the book tour, Andrew, as well as in the Q&A. But just before we get into that, one thing that I do want to mention is just what we've covered so far. So what have we covered in tonight's webinar? Hey, we've talked about what's actually happened to house prices. We saw them massively increase. We, uh, we started out 30% below what the peak was. We got up to the peak over about an 18-month period before house prices have dropped back another 12.5%. We've talked about what our house price predictions are. We expect another 15 to 3% drop before we hit the bottom of the market in March uh, next year, 2023. We've also talked about our interest rate predictions, how they are heavily influenced by inflation. And then once inflation is tamed, we will start to see those interest rates fall back again, probably to about 4.5% is what we're predicting. And we can go into the reasons why in the Q&A. Uh, we've talked about that we expect it to increase to about 6.5%, the one-year fixed mortgage interest rate next year, before we eventually see that drop back. And we've looked at what's the impact on cash flow of purchasing at the lower price today, but with that higher interest rate. And the impact is that you'll have a bit of uh, a tough time or, or higher contributions over the next two years, potentially, before we start to see those drop back as house prices increase. Now, at this point, just before we get into question time, if you don't know who we are, this is usually the point where somebody would start asking, well, who are these guys? What do they actually do? And how can they potentially help me? And I know that many of you have been with us for a long, long time and will have heard all about what we do. But for those who are new tonight, I just want to give you the opportunity to, or take the opportunity for two minutes to tell you who we are and what we do. So effectively, we are financial advisors that use property investment as the mechanism to increase investors' wealth. And what we do is we've built our own special software called My Wealth Plan. And the public version of this, by the way, is about to go live in the next couple of days. It's very exciting. But we've got our own software to help people plan out their portfolios to figure out how many properties do I need to actually achieve my goals. And what we do is we offer what we call portfolio planning sessions, which cost zero dollars. There's no fee for investors to go through our service. And that's where we help you create your wealth plan or your my wealth plan, we call it. Pick some new build investment properties to invest in and then dig into the details and make sure that those are the right properties for you. So we build a financial plan find you the right new built investment properties, and then dig into the details. And if we're charging you zero dollars, you're probably wondering, how do you get paid? And I love to be really transparent about this. So when an investor comes to work with one of our financial advisors, what we call property partners, we have relationships with 97 different developers around New Zealand. And if we can find you the right property from the right developer, and you say, you know what, that actually is a good investment, 
I'm keen to invest in that, then that's when we earn a fee from the developer rather than charging you one directly. Now, I do just want to give you the opportunity, if you are new or if you've been to a few of these before, to say, you know what, I'm actually keen for one of those complimentary portfolio planning sessions. So I'm going to put one final poll across your screens and it asks, are you keen to book a complimentary portfolio planning session? Now, if you click the top button that says, yes, please call me to book, we'll give you a buzz tomorrow to book a time that suits you and a financial advisor. Now, if you click the bottom one, nope, I'm good right now. No worries, we won't call you. So if you want, to, you want us to give you a buzz, click the uh, top button. If it's not the right time or you're already a client, click the bottom button and no trouble, we won't give you a buzz tomorrow. Just want to give you guys the opportunity. Right, I'll let you guys do that and then we're going to jump into the question time as well. Uh, but just before we do that, I do want to mention as well that our book is currently live now. And what I want to mention is that this is 30 bucks at the moment, which is the pre-sale price. It's free uh, with free New Zealand shipping and we're going to start shipping that within the next week. Um, now, some people have said some very kind things about it. I know Sim Kerr from uh, Girls That Invest said it was exceptionally detailed. Only property book you'll ever need. And um, that meant quite a bit to me because uh, she's a, 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 an author who's, who's got a very popular book and a, a big following around the world. Tony Alexander, uh, one of the top economists in New Zealand, said that uh, this book focuses on lifelong property investment and the changes in strategy needed along the way to build uh, wealth for retirement and a pen of income. Uh, again, that, that was quite humbling. I was quite quite pleased. Tony likes the book. And Steve Goody said, this book has a wealth of advice, should be compulsory reading for all Kiwi battlers who want to get ahead. And again, I think that meant something to both of us, Andrew, given that Steve really knows what he's talking about. So uh, it is live now. If you want your copy and haven't purchased it yet, uh, you can buy that at wealthplanbook.com. Of course, you don't need to do that if you're coming to the book tour because your price of your ticket gets you a book. What I do want to mention is that $30 is the pre-sale price. So the price is going to go up next Tuesday. It's going to go up to $35 plus shipping. So if you want that special launch price, you're going to save about 10 bucks per book. So if you're thinking about buying it for maybe, if you're a business owner for your staff, or maybe you want to buy it as a present for uh, for some of your, your friends or your family for Christmas, then now's going to be the cheapest time you're going to be able to get that. Uh, that's now available at wealthplanbook.com. And Andrew, would you be able to pop the link to the events just in the chat? Sure. In case anybody wants to pop in there, I can see that we've still got uh, seven tickets left for the Wellington event, which is pretty cool. And look, just finally before we get into questions, um, if you don't already, listen to the podcast. We're up to episode 1153 today. It was all about why you'd use property for the Golden Goose strategy. Uh, also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've just hit 4,000 subscribers. We do two new videos every week. And then on top of that, we've also got, of course, the book. 30 bucks. Price goes up next Tuesday. If you're keen, wealthplanbook.com. Other than that, let's go into question time and ask what else would you like to know? I'm just struggling to find that um, the, the link, Eddie. I'll do that. Oh, you thanks, find thanks, the... Um, Let me start on questions. You start on questions. Right, questions. Remember, if you have got a question and you haven't put it in the Q&A section, put it in there now because I can't go through all the, the uh, uh, chat in case we've missed anything. <clears throat> um, Aaron's asked the question... 
race, uh, uh, some places have dropped one percent and others twenty one percent. Do you think? Do you think that there's but that's because the one percent places still have a long way to continue down versus the twenty one percent who are pretty much finished dropping already? Perhaps Queenstown, for example. Oh, um, do you want me to just pull up the data for that? Yep, great. Do that. <laughs> is that all you're going to say? While you're doing that, while you bring up the data, I think <laughs> the thing you. to remember, Aaron, is that some some of the reason one of the reasons why some of the areas have dropped less is because they grew less as well. And so, uh, what you've seen is actually there there is less of a correction happening there. So that doesn't mean that a place that's dropped one uh, percent. A, drop, a place that's dropped only one percent is the place to buy. Uh, is not a place to buy right now because uh, it's it's going to drop significantly more. Similarly, an area that's dropped twenty one percent doesn't necessarily mean that's the right place to buy just at the moment. So we've got uh, this coming out on next Monday, and the orange line is Queenstown, the blue line is New Zealand. Now, what you can see here is that uh, the Queenstown house prices, they didn't increase as much uh, between about the COVID period, early 2020, going up through into the peak of the market, which was November 2021. And so what you can see here is that compared to March 2019, New Zealand house prices went up for, uh, 54%. Queenstown only went up, when I say only, only 39%, still a significant increase, of course. But then we've seen New Zealand house prices drop back. You know what? Today, Queenstown and New Zealand are both up roughly 37%, 36% from where they were back in March 2019. So the fact that Queenstown hasn't dropped much is a lesser reflection that there's still more to go and more a reflection of the fact that it never grew as much of the as the rest of the country in the first place. New Zealand's drop back is because, hey, oh my gosh, it went up 54%, now it's dropped back 12.5%. Queenstown, it stayed pretty steady, but if you look at the total increase, it's roughly the same now that we've had that drop back. That's the key message about some places like Queenstown. The other thing that I will just mention is that some places like Timaru, which didn't, uh, which haven't dropped back in value, there are a couple of things going for that. Timaru was still about 15% undervalued last time I looked at the numbers. And because house prices were undervalued, that's why there's uh, a, a good reason to think, well, maybe they're not going to drop as much. Similarly, the other thing for uh, for relatively more affordable areas like your, um, your Timaru's, your Ashburdens, uh, they're going to be less affected by the credit crunch because you've still got okay incomes but very cheap house prices. Right, what's the next question you're bringing up, Andrew? Uh, next question is, um, oh, the, a few people have actually asked this, I'll just answer this quickly. What are your predictions you made last year? How did they turn out? So normally in a December we do a wrap-up within our webinar. Ed and I were just talking about uh, topics for our webinar for December. We'll probably include how our, how our predictions went for that year because we always like to laugh when we got it wrong and, and pat ourselves on the back when we got it right. One thing that I will say is that often, like we like to be quite... Um, straight up and answer your questions. And what I mean by that is 
I like to put a number on it. Oh, a house price is going to go up 5% or are they going to go up 10% or are they going to go down 5%? You know, I'd like to give you a number because I know that's generally what people turn up for. The numbers are always wrong. Always wrong. But the trend is what you want to look at. So I'll give you an example just because it's top of mind at the moment. In uh, March, April this year, we gave a presentation in Napier, was it, or was yep. it Hastings? Um, I think it was Napier. This year. It was Napier to the Hawke's Bay Property Investors Association. And we were talking about the areas that would, inc or would increase in value and those that would decrease in value or were more susceptible to a decrease in value. Uh, the areas we said would go down were places like Manawatu, Wanganui, uh, were places like Wellington, and I think it was Gisborne as well were the places that we said were going to do poorly. Those are the areas that have done the worst around the country. The areas that we said would be relatively protected or may even continue to see some amount of rise were places like wider Canterbury, where we have seen some areas increase in value. Others have come down a little bit, but certainly not as much as the rest of the country. I think we said Taranaki and also Northland. Uh, all three of those areas have done better than average or better than the rest of the country. Um, so certainly the exact number I tell you will always be wrong, but it's more the trends that we're looking for. Which areas are going to do better? Which ones are doing going to do worse? Generally speaking, we have a pretty good hit rate at those. Uh, what's the next thing that you've seen come um, up? There was a really interesting question from uh, Stefan Hill said, which who said if we made uh, uh, if we have an investment new build ready in March twenty three will instant equity become instant loss? Um, so Stefan, what I'd probably say to you here is a lot of properties that have been bought might have gone up and they might have come back down and there might not necessarily be a loss. There might still be some some gains in there. If there has been a loss. What you need to do is really get yourself in the right mindset to weather the storm because it's only a loss when you sell that property. Now, if that property had gone, let's say, let's say there was a, um, a 30K undervalue, uh, the valuation came in 30K under your purchase price. Now, if you sell that property, that 30K loss is real plus any cost of selling that property. But if that property had gone up by 30K, would you be selling it then? The answer is very likely to be no. So just because you've had it go the other direction now doesn't mean that you need to go and panic and start to sell because you'll crystallise those losses. You need to weather the storm because over the long term, property tends to go up. And so that's why it's really important to be getting some advice on how to manage those contributions right now. I know it can be a little bit scary, particularly for a new investor. So that's what we're here to help. Um, if, you, if you are a new investor and need some advice around that, um, you can flick me an email and kind of have a chat to you. But it's really important to remember property is a long or medium to long term investment uh, uh, option for people. It's not about what happens today. I'm not interested in what's going to happen the next year because we can't tell you with certainty what's going to happen next week or next month or next year. But over the long term, history has shown that property tends to go up in value. Cool. And one thing that I just want to mention as well, for all of those people that said, yes, we are keen to come in for one of those complimentary portfolio planning sessions, one thing that I yeah. forgot to mention as well is that uh, Andrew is about to send out a little piece of homework for you guys. It's a wee quiz that we need you to do uh, before we give you a buzz tomorrow. So before you head off to the hay, head off to bed, just 
Click, click on that link and fill that out. That'll give you a sense of what you're going to be able to borrow. Now, just before we do that, though, Andrew, there was a really interesting question from Vincent, which wasn't in the Q&A, so you will have missed it. But he said, how come new builds are falling in price if construction costs are going up? Very good question. I think that last year, um, or last few years, Vincent, developers were having a really good time getting good margins for their builds. Um, and, and look, I don't know what the developers' margins were, but let's say it was $100,000 uh, per house sold. Those margins have come down, but, or had to come down to meet the market now. So if a developer has a site with 10 units that they're gonna build on it, and they've got the consents for that, they've bought the land, they've got some materials, and they're committed to the build, they have to meet the market. So sometimes there are developers who will do projects and they will make either a small margin, no margin, or they will even take a loss if they have to protect their brand. And I know there have been plenty of developers out there that have taken a hit this year. Um, uh, they have to be more responsive to the market because they can't just live in the house for a little bit longer and move to Queenstown, for example, with their family. Uh, say, sorry, what I mean by that is if you're an owner-occupied and you're moving from Wellington to Queenstown, you might not be selling right now because the market's dropped so much. So you might just stay in that house for another three, four years. Whereas if you're a developer, if your money is made from developing and selling houses, you have to be more responsive to the market and that makes the price true. Now, Nikki has asked a really good question as well. Now, she's a first home buyer, or potentially he's a first home buyer, with a 60% deposit. Great job, by the way, Nikki. Shall I wait to buy... Uh, until March 2023 when we've predicted house prices will bottom out? And the answer to that, in my mind, is no. If you find the right house for you that you think is really good and that's going to suit your needs and, uh, and on top of that you're able to negotiate a really good deal or price that you're happy with, I think go for it now. Because here's the thing, houses are not like the book that we're selling, for instance. Our books are all exactly the same, no matter which one you get. Houses are not always exactly the same. Some houses are going to fit your needs, other houses are not going to fit your needs. So if you can find the right one for you as an owner-occupier, you've got to go for it. That's number one. Second thing is you've got to remember that the, the falls in house prices that we're predicting are marginal. 3%, 1.5%. Over the long term, that will be nothing to you. If we're talking about a $600,000 property and we're talking about a 3% drop in house prices, that's about $18,000. Now, $18,000 is a good lot of money. It's a lot of money. But here's the thing. If you can use the current environment to negotiate a deal. So if you're able to find the right house for you that fits your needs and you're able to negotiate 18 grand off or a good deal that you're really happy with, then go for it. Because here's the thing, you might be able to negotiate more than 3% off what you would otherwise pay in X months time because the vendor is a motivated vendor. You know, the market for houses is just so different from the market for commodities where everything's the same. It's not all blue top milk two litres. Every different product is, is slightly different and you're dealing with a different seller. And because of that, you do see price variations. So in my mind, if you can find the right deal for you and you're able to negotiate a price that you're really happy with, go for it because 
in 20 years time, you're not going to be worried that you waited to get an extra 3% off because you will have made uh, a decent amount of coin as house prices naturally appreciate over time. The one thing I want to add there is that um, there have been times in my life where I wanted to grow my portfolio and the bank says no. And so that's what, what you don't want to get is to into a situation where you go, right, I'm going to wait for the bottom of the market to get that extra $10,000 discount. And then you go to apply for lending and the servicing test rate's gone up and you can no longer buy to afford that property. You'll feel pretty stupid. Um, so I think it's really important to always embrace the opportunity and no market is perfect. There's always something working for and against you. So you've got to find the strengths in the market and work to them, play to those, and then mitigate the things that are the negative. Because again, it's not about timing the market perfectly, because you never will. You'll never time the market perfectly. It's about the length of time that you are in the market, and that's the most important thing when investing in property. And when we're talking about timing the market perfectly, we're talking about you know a six-month window either side, you know, in terms of understanding where you're going to invest. You know, arguably, now is a better time to invest than it was 12 months ago. Objectively, that's probably true. But whether you invest today or you invest in two months or two months ago, over the long term, it's only going to make a very marginal difference. Now, just on what Andrew was saying around bank criteria changing, I want to show you this graph, which we released as part of private property, Andrew's private newsletter last week. So what this shows is how much could you or the same investor afford to borrow at ANZ? So I've got the same investor with the same details with what they could potentially borrow as ANZ changed their servicing test rate. So you could see, well, you know what, maybe it was a good time to buy in June 2021 where the t when the test rate was pretty low, 5.8%, because you could borrow a lot of money. Whereas compared to today, for that investor, it might be a terrible time to invest because maybe they can't even get the money anymore to purchase anything. So even though house prices were higher over here and the interest rate outlook was lower, though although interest rates would eventually increase, perhaps this was the right time for them because they could afford the money, whereas today at 8.15%, maybe they couldn't. Now, your numbers will be different, but what I'm trying to demonstrate here is how uh, you, can, you can time the market, potentially perfectly if you had the ideal crystal ball, but sometimes the bank will say no, and it will be difficult for you to take action on your perfect crystal ball gazing. Uh, what you're able to borrow will change over time, and this is one important factor which is often um, not discussed because the modelling to get this is sometimes difficult. What else are you hearing, Andrew? Gareth has asked, we bought a new build last year compared uh, uh, to be completed in May 2023. Super worried that we bought at the top of the market and now prices have dropped um, uh, and we have yet to sort it out our finance. Um, the calculations uh, on the worst case scenario now on the ROI don't look good. Make me feel better. Gareth, lots of people are feeling like you right now and it's probably nowhere near as bad as you're thinking it is at four in the morning when you're lying awake staring at the ceiling. I'd say you need to talk to your financial advisor, um, work out a bit of a plan. You need to get that finance approved would be a smart thing to do right now because you want to combat those rising test rates. Get your loan documents ordered so that you've actually got that locked in and have some conversations around how you're going to manage the, the higher contributions because I'm sure you'll probably be okay. You've just got to actually get some advice 
The worst thing you can do is bury your head in the sand and then worry about it, and then it becomes an issue later on. So if anyone is feeling like that, get some advice from your financial advisor. Hopefully that helps. Now, I saw that Kevin asked, no book tour in Northland, so I've bought one online. Any idea when we'll receive them the delivery? So the latest that we're going to send them out uh, from the printers, like getting sent directly from the people who have printed them, is Tuesday the 15th of November, next Tuesday, at the very latest. Um, I think we're paying for, for you know two to three day courier, so I'd expect by Friday, end of next week, that would be the latest I'd expect them to start coming through. Bear in mind if you're RD5 um, in the middle of, say, Carbido, it might take a little bit longer. If you're in the middle of Auckland, it might take a little bit, uh, it, it will turn up more quickly. Uh, what else are you seeing there, Andrew? I accidentally deleted someone's message, sorry, uh, where they'd asked, um, how do you combat if you can't settle a rental property? There's a great article on our website where we actually talk about that. What are your options? What can you do? Um, uh, another question is... Oh, uh, Marina, Mar Marina, Marina, you asked, what's the name of your podcast? Property Academy, Podca Property Academy Podcast. No, it's okay. This might have been your first ever webinar. Um, Property Academy Podcast, number one business podcast in the country. Now, somebody asked, are you about to release your um, wealth plan software uh, anytime soon? And I think that was Girish. Girish, the answer is yes, here it is. Um, now, don't go, oh, I should have covered oh, that up. No, delete it, delete it. You're going to get us in trouble, you're going to get us in trouble. It's not ready to go live. But I just want to show them, Andrew. Let me show them. Oh, no. What if I zoom in or hide it? Can I hide the URL bar? Just because it's not ready for you to actually look at. Can I do that? How do I hide the URL bar? Are you sh if I did this, you would go ballistic. I would, I would, but I'm an idiot. Yeah, um, I'll answer some more questions while you're doing that, Ed. Um, uh, everyone distracted, don't look at Ed, don't look at Ed's screen. Um, <laughs> so, oh yeah, oh yeah, how do I do that? Sorry, Ed's just getting his tech lessons. I like that you're actually becoming as tech incompetent as me now. Someone asked, um, will there be an electronic version of the book? Absolutely, there will be. There was talk about us doing a audio book. Now, it turns out that's an even bigger job than actually writing the book because you've got to sit in a room and not bicker, um, which we do on the podcast. So we um, won't be releasing an audio book anytime soon, but there will be a Kindle version or a Books version, Apple Books version, whatever the hell you call them. Um, no, there are no more tickets to the Auckland uh, event, but come to one of the other ones. Um, uh, why don't you just jump on a plane? It will be well worth um, the trip. Uh, there was a question before... There was this, uh, there's been a few questions around, is there an oversupply of townhouses, for example? Um, again, we've kind of answered this before, so I don't want to uh, rehash it too much. There's a podcast on this, which you can find in the podcast archives. There's an article on our website. Oh, let me show them oh, that. Go, show I them can that. show them that part. Okay. The answer to your question about wealth plan is yes, you will have access to wealth plan with the release of our book. Um, it has taken uh, us quite a while to build the software so that it was ready for you uh, and easy for you to use, but are there too, are there too many townhouses uh, being built in New Zealand? Um, this was only from last month. Uh, look at you in that video. I know, I know. But here's what's interesting. So here we're showing the number of townhouses being built. And then what we've got down here is where are they being built? Of course, they're primarily being built in Auckland, where you've got 
58% of, uh, of dwellings consented are townhouses in Upper Hutt. Let's look at that. Gosh, it goes all the way up to 56%. But when we're thinking about the oversupply of houses, one of the things we've been talking about is, well, what's the evidence for it? And if there was an oversupply of houses, uh, townhouses, what would you expect to see? Well, you'd expect them to take significantly longer to sell and you'd expect them not to increase in value as quickly or rather to be falling in value more quickly. And what we can see, and this is the Christchurch data, though it's reflected across Auckland as well, you can see that actually while there are some times where townhouses might take, oh, let's call it the extra four days to sell, over here, look, there are some times where houses take a bit longer than townhouses to sell. Um, Anywhere after kind of 2002, there's been not a huge difference between townhouses and townhouses in terms of how long it takes to sell them. There's the Auckland data for you. Here we've got house price movements in both townhouses and houses in Christchurch. Again, what do we see? Yeah, there are some times where the movement in townhouses, you know, townhouses, uh, at least their median selling prices increased at a faster rate than houses. Um, but when we look at the falls, it's been roughly the same. Not that much difference. When we look at the long-term differences as well, not a huge difference. So when we try and objectively look for data to say, well, is there evidence of this oversupply creating a distortion in the outcomes that property investors can expect to see? The answer's kind of no. We've also gone into quite a lot of detail down here about some of the reasons why townhouses might be more popular. The fertility rate in New Zealand is declining and we're having smaller families. People are getting married later and so younger people might decide to live in more compact housing, especially as, uh, as housing gets more expensive and debt to income ratios increase. There are a number of reasons, but I'll refer you to this because that's, it's an excellent article. If you just um, search for too many townhouses on our website, you'll be able to find that. Andrew, what's the next question that's that's uh, coming up and, and interesting you? Um, someone asked the question earlier on, I can't remember where it was and I won't get this exactly right, but basically the crux of the question was this, they own an investment property at the moment, um, they've got a mortgage on that, um, they're paying interest only, they've got some cash in the bank, should they use the cash for an offset or should they buy another investment property? Now, the answer to that is don't know. Without going into your financial needs and wants and, and, and goals, we can't actually give you an answer like that like that on here. This is not uh, designed to give you personalised financial advice. This is designed to give you general advice. So uh, I would highly recommend you talk to a financial advisor. We've got a team of them if you want to talk to us. Um, uh, might be good to use that uh, money for the offset mortgage in the immediate time while you're making up your mind, so at least you're saving some interest. But I don't know the answer to your long-term solution without you seeing a financial advisor. Right, let's do two more questions, One Andrew. each? I'll ask Radio. you one. Let me find something really hard. No, I don't want <laughs> I'm a just hard kidding, one. I'm I'm just oh, an easy one. It's good past Assuming, uh, assuming we eventually see a good amount of immigration coming into New Zealand, firstly, do you think we'll see a bigger impact on areas like Auckland? Secondly, do you do you look at immigration data in your set of um, data analysis? Um, I'll answer this. I'll answer the first part. Um, Sam, Ed looks at all the data. 
Nothing puts me to, a sl- to sleep faster. It has to turn it into pretty graphs for me and trick me into doing a podcast about it so that I read all of that. So Ed will prepare all of that stuff and then we'll go out and we'll find properties that make suitable investments based on that data. So we're a dr- data-driven property investment company. Um, I absolutely think Auckland will be the area that will bounce back fast because of uh, immigration and the fact of the matter is, look, it is the super city. It, it has huge population growth expectations. Uh, it is tradi- uh, typically the area that will drop and uh, drop first and bounce back first. This time, Wellington has been so overvalued that that was kind of the first to plummet. But I do think there's opportunities in Auckland. Absolutely. You've answered the question. Oh, I don't it? really have much okay, to add to that. Okay, nothing else to add to that. Um, Oh, here's one for you, because I've got a thing. Um, So someone asked, um, I'm starting out. This is my first uh, property in the property market. Should I buy new or should I reno? Is it for an investor or a first-time buyer? I think it's a first-time buyer. Okay. So actually, we're pretty agnostic about which way you go. So let's talk about the pros and cons of each. So if you decide to go down the new build route as a first-time buyer, what you're going to do is you're going to buy that property, probably with a 10% deposit, and then you're going to look to create as much equity in that as quickly as possible. And the way you're going to do that is by smashing down that mortgage as much as you can. So that means taking any extra money you have and then probably using the mortgage buster strategy to pay off the mortgage quickly. You might also look at ways to increase your income, either by asking for a pay rise, that's what we call the earn baby earn strategy, which we talk about in the book, or also getting flatmates. But if you if you go down that route, that's the way you're gonna create equity within your property in order to be able to buy an investment property. Now, bear in mind that Uh, uh, if you do that, you're not going to be actively increasing the value of the property by renovating it, right? It's a very passive way of going about it. So that tends to work for people who don't want to pick up a a paintbrush or who don't want to wield a hammer, uh, don't want to get into any of the renovations or potentially may not have the capital to be able to do that, might not have the money available. Whereas if you want to go down that second strategy which you talk about, which is renovating to add value, that is a perfectly fine strategy as well for a first-home buyer, but it's going to be a more active strategy where you are going to be doing things. So you either need to have uh, the willingness to either learn or the existing skill set to go in and reno, or have the money available to pay somebody else to do it. So that's really the choice. Do you want to take a passive strategy or do you want to take the more active strategy? And both of those are covered within the book. Um, Both of those are our kind of standard way of getting into your first property and then building up enough equity in order to be able to go and purchase your next property. Now for me, I went down the passive approach because I knew that with my career, with the amount of time I like to spend in front of uh, my my office computer, uh, getting up my my computer tan, uh, that was going to be the right strategy for me, going down the more passive route. Whereas for somebody like Andrew, he started with the more active strategy where he'd turn up to that property every night at 6pm with his, uh, I think it was Thai takeaways, Andrew, 
with his uh, long, long suffering girlfriend at the time, putting putting <laughs> up some months. putting up some wallpaper and some paint to imp- to somewhat improve the value of that property. Though you'll hear more about that in the book as well. So ultimately, it comes down to the decision of do you want passive or do you want active. You can make the decision based on that, and hopefully the book will help you out as well. Now there are six tickets left in Christchurch, by the looks of it, and so there are two left in Wellington. Um, so these will likely oh. either sell tonight or tomorrow. So if you're keen, um, snap those up. It'll be great to see you there. We're going to wrap it up there, but we can't wait to see you again at our December webinar, and we hope you guys have a great night. See you see later. See you guys.